today called Inspiring Influence. So if we could have the slide up, please, that would be really great. It's still light, you can't see it very well. Uh, I don't know if we can kill some lights, because what we're going to do, we're going to begin with a DVD clip. I saw this last March, and I've been waiting for an opportunity to show it. (laughs) And today is the opportunity, because this is the exact opposite of inspiring influence. And uh, sometimes it's really good to look at the opposite to know what we're not talking about. So this is what we're not talking about. So hopefully you'll enjoy. Where did you make it? Can I get you a drink? Yeah, something soft. I'm driving. Parking is an absolute nightmare around here, isn't it? Has reversed into the tiniest of spaces. Still, I managed it. I mean, parking is not exactly brain surgery, is it? <laughs> and I should know. <laughs> Why is that? Are you a doctor? Careful. Not a doctor. I'm a brain surgeon. Big difference. Big difference. Yeah, I actually know a joke about this. What's the difference between a doctor and a brain surgeon? One's not exactly brain surgery. The other is brain surgery. <laughs> um, so, uh, what do you guys do? I'm an accountant. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I could do with an accountant. Filling in those tax forms can get really confusing, can't it? Still, it's not exactly brain surgery, is it? (laughs) I mean, brain surgery, believe me, is very complex. Are you an accountant too? Uh, No, I work for a charity. Oh, that's a very selfless job, isn't it? I really admire you. I don't think I could ever do what you do. (laughs) I say that because it's emotionally draining, not because it's hard. I mean... Not exactly brain surgery, is it? <laughs> Which, as a brain surgeon, is what I do. Lionel, here's your drink. Lionel's a brain surgeon, you know. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned it. <laughs> oh, Jeff, if you could late at the Space Centre. As always. Uh... <laughs> Have you met Lionel? Uh, no, hello, Lionel. So, Jeff, how do you earn a crust? Uh, well, I'm a scientist. I, I work mainly with rockets. It's, <laughs> it's, um, it's pretty tough work. Um, what do you do? Well, I don't mean to boast, but uh, I'm a brain surgeon. Brain surgery? <laughs> oh, he's actually rocket science. Isn't he? <laughs> attracted to a clever clogs, are we? Are we? I know it all. But just not. But we are attracted to somebody who is inspiring, an inspiring influencer, aren't we? There's something about them that we are drawn to. And the good news is that in 2016, every single one of us in this room can be an inspiring influencer. Every single one of us. I I love that. See, with God, there are no exceptions. No exceptions. All of us. You can be. I can be. This year and beyond, an inspiring influencer. You know, I look back over my life in preparation for this, and I just thought, in every stage of life, people influence us. 
And I went right back to school days. I don't suppose I was the easiest kid in the world to teach at infant junior school. Uh, element of dyslexia and a love of the outdoors. Not great material, is it? If you're a teacher, then, you know, it's probably not your favourite sort of kid to have in the classroom. But what I can say is that between the ages of one and moving up to the final class, I'd just turned ten. Not one teacher had an inspiring influence on me that I can remember. Two of them were the complete opposite. You see, the opposite is a wet blanket. And uh, I can remember standing in front of Mr. Ellington with my hand out and the meter ruler crashing down on it. And uh, that wasn't very inspiring. <laughs> it didn't encourage me to actually work for this man. But when I moved into the top class of junior school, there was a teacher called Mrs. Brown. That's 43 years ago, and I still remember two things, two sentences that she said to me 43 years later. One day we were having a maths test, and I got 10 out of 10, and she came over to pick the test sheet up from the table, and she saw the mark, and she said, I knew you could do it. She said, I knew you could do it. You see, she believed in me. She was the first teacher that I ever had who believed in me. And then we had to write a, an essay about the parable of the sower. And uh, so I did my essay. And obviously with a, a Christian background, I knew quite a lot of stuff about the parable of the sower. And so I thought, this is my time to shine, as it were. So I thought I'd done a pretty good essay. But the class had to mark it. And uh, so I didn't get in the top few at all. I was, I don't know where I was, but I was way off the top. And they were all, we had to read them out in front of the class. And after I finished, Mrs. Brown said, I thought that was the best. I thought that was the best. You know what Mrs. Brown did? She lit an academic fire in me that nobody else lit. I sailed through school after that. It wasn't a problem. But up until then, it had been a problem. See, I'd only had wet blankets. I had not been inspired. The Oxford Dictionary definition of inspire. Fill someone with the urge or ability to do or feel something especially to do something creative. In 2016, every single one of us in this room is going to be an influencer. The question is, what type of influencer? The wet blanket or the inspirer? You know, as an inspirer, we build people up. As a wet blanket, we break people down. This morning we're going to read about a lady who was an inspiring influencer. She was an unsung hero, and I have purposely picked somebody that you didn't expect me to pick. 
you probably expected me to pick a Moses or a David or a Daniel. Somebody who we all know about. Well, you probably have heard of this lady, but it's Dorcas. She was a light that, that really shone. And so let's look at this influencer. Acts chapter 9, verses 36 to 42. Acts was written by a doctor called Luke in the first century, probably around 63 AD. So this is a doctor writing. It's always nice to know kind of the background of, of the person who is writing. So let's read about Dorcas, Acts 9, verse 36 to 42. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tibitha, which, when translated, is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Peter, come at once. Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the windows stood, sorry, all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him their robes and the other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord. Amen. So what was so inspiring about Dorcas? You know, I believe that she loved people and that she found a way of expressing that love. And, and the way that she did it was through practical acts of service. She met people's physical needs. You know, Dorcas lived our mission statement, basically. And if you know it, then say it with me. To see God's love transform lives as we follow him. She was always doing good. What a description. Always doing good. Helping the poor. Making robes and clothes for them to wear. Dorcas would have been in the other half of this building. No, we're in this half, aren't we? She'd have been down there. <laughs> She'd have been in the food bank. Wouldn't she? She'd have been in the clothes bank. Dorcas would have been giving all her energy to look after those who are less fortunate, who don't have much for the poor. That was Dorcas's heart. 
You know, when you stepped into Dorcas's circle of influence, it was a good experience. I don't know if you realise, but you have a circle of influence. Wherever you go, you take that circle with you. People step inside that circle of influence. And, and when you did that with Dorcas, it was a good experience because there was a great atmosphere in that circle. There was plenty of oxygen. You could breathe nice, clean air. There was no pollution of control. There was no pollution of manipulation. There was a smell of sweet fragrance, of love and joy. Not the acrid smell of anger and hate. Being in an unpleasant environment is is not good. In terms of an, an illustration of this, the strongest illustration I've ever had personally was in India in 2000. We, we flew into Mumbai at midnight. They'd lost some of our luggage, so it wasn't a great start. Then we got in the taxi, and we're travelling through Mumbai about one o'clock in the morning. It was dark. We couldn't see anything at the sides of the road. And we went into this area... And the stench was unbelievable. I have never smelt anything like it in my life. And everything within me was screaming, let's get out of here. It's, it's just not good. I don't want to be here. And then obviously we got out of it. The next morning in daylight, we, we went through the same area to see an open piece of ground with people living on it with an open sewer. And that's why it stank. It was an unpleasant environment. Control, manipulation, anger, hatred, stink. They stink. And when we step into that kind of a circle, it is very unpleasant. It is an environment of darkness. You know, the Bible talks about two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And that is not the same as religious and non-religious. There are clearly some religious beliefs and practices that belong in the kingdom of darkness. And when you look at I.S., and their beliefs and their practice, their hatred and murder of those who don't fit within their religious system and hold to their religious beliefs. That is the kingdom of darkness. Let's make no mistake about it. Hatred and murder are clearly kingdom of darkness's practices, along with lies, deceit, pride, self-centeredness, And we could go on. You know, Dorcas did not belong to the kingdom of darkness. (laughs) She was not living in that kingdom and that environment. How do I know that? Verse 36 clearly says, in Joppa there was a disciple named Tibitha, which is translated Dorcas. She was a disciple of Jesus Christ. She was a follower of Jesus Christ. That was her identity, a daughter of the King of Kings. 
John, first century fisherman, records the words of Jesus that tie so much in with this. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I love that. Don't you love that? As a follower of Jesus Christ, we have his light and his life. Dorcas was not mustering up some human effort to produce some human light. No. No, it was much more than that. The very light of God the Son was shining through her life. Matthew the tax collector records Jesus' words in Matthew 5, verse 14 onwards. He says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Awesome. As a follower of Jesus Christ, like Dorcas, we are a light. And I've got a, a little visual aid here. I think I'm going to move the table a bit closer, actually. So when we become his follower, the Holy Spirit comes. My hand is shaking, I don't know what's that all about. And, uh, and sets us alight. And we, we begin to show the light of Jesus Christ. Can you see that? Yeah. And Jesus said, well, what you mustn't do is put a bowl over the top of it. He said, that is not what you're supposed to do. In 2016, this is not what we should be doing. If you're a Christian, then the light of God is in you. But Jesus says, let the light shine before men. Not good, is it? might be this morning that you need the Holy Spirit to come again. And it might be that your light isn't shining very well. We're struggling. But that is how it should be. You see, Dorcas let her light shine. Her good deeds shine. Her good deeds were the evidence of the light. You know, there are those who don't like this light. There are those who say, don't bring your light anywhere near me. Out there? See, light reveals the darkness. The darkness of 
spiritual unbelief. Those who want to deny that there's a Jesus. Those who want to deny that God's alive and well. Those who want to deny all of the supernatural. They don't want you bringing supernatural near them. Because it proves that they are wrong. So the darkness of unbelief is challenged. The darkness of wrong practice. You know, when you start doing the right things, it challenges them doing the wrong things. It also challenges the darkness of selfish pride. And we can feel intimidated by people who say, don't bring your light anywhere near me. But we mustn't allow them to intimidate us. We must not be intimidated by others. Jesus is saying to us this year, do not be frightened to let your light shine. Because the darkness cannot comprehend it. And you know, the good thing is that some of those people who are challenged then receive the light. In some ways, it's better to have a challenge because they realise that they are dark. If they're in apathy then they're not challenged. So if you are struggling with somebody and, and, and there's a challenge because you are the light, keep shining. Have the courage to keep shining. Jesus says, let your light shine. Let your light shine. Dorcas, let her light shine. People could see a difference and the day that Dorcas died, a light went out. People knew it. There was a difference. The atmosphere had changed and they wanted her back. You know, that's the ultimate test, isn't it, of inspiring influence. When a community says, when a light has gone out, we want it back. We miss it. Well, I moved to Helston in 1994 to become the pastor of a church for the first time, I was very, very grateful for a retired farmer, a man of inspiring influence in the church, an unsung hero. His name was Ken Jenkins. He's actually Dave's grandfather. I didn't know Dave at that time. Uh, his grandfather was the first one of that family that I met. And he let his light shine. He was a man of wisdom, a man of courage, and a man who was spiritually discerning. And, and I would take him on pastoral visits that I knew there might be a strong element of the kingdom of darkness at work. I would take him with me. He knew more than I did. He had far more spiritual wisdom. He'd been around the block a lot longer than I had. And as we prayed for people and saw them set free, he would just be a quiet influence. Never once took over. He was just so lovely and quiet and gentle, but so powerful. He let his light shine. I respected and valued him. I'll never forget the prayer meeting where he said, I've got lung cancer, and I'm not going to have any treatment. And the room went silent. You could have heard a pin drop. Nobody spoke or moved. And he died. He went to be with the Lord. And a light went out. And we missed him. We missed his inspiring 
influence. Like Dorcas, he was an unsung hero. It's a sovereign question, isn't it? If we were to die today, would our light be missed? If we were to die today, would our light be missed? Would people say, we really want them back? We really miss them. That environment, that circle of influence that they had that, that brought light and, 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 a, and a wonderful aroma has gone. And we want it back. It's the same as a church, not just individually, but collectively. Would our community, if we cease to exist tomorrow, would our community miss us? I believe they would. I believe they would. Why do I say that? Well, when we went for planning permission for this building to be changed from office use to a church, and Steve and I went to the councillors at the, the town council, all they did was thank us for running the food bank. That's all they did. They value what we are doing. And if we weren't here and there was no food bank, then we would be missed in our community. And hopefully there's other things as well. As a church, the light of God through us and in us to our community is valued. We are the light of the world. We are! (laughs) You and me! (laughs) We are the light of the world. Isn't that awesome? Can you get your head around that? Well, I'm going to show some examples of light in closing. And the first one is a DVD clip of some fireworks as an example of letting light shine. Nice to have a bit of a compliment from the congregation. Do you find firework light inspirational? Yeah? Do you look at it and think, wow, that's great. It inspires. I find it inspirational. And Peter was a bit like that. You know, Peter says to this dead girl, arise, get up. And she gets up. It's a bit like a firework going off, isn't it? The light of God just shining out in a, in a, a moment. Just a massive moment of light shining. And she gets up. But we're not here to look at Peter. But that's like a firework moment. And then let's look at this. There's a PowerPoint. There's a candle. I know you've been looking at a flame, but we'll get another flare. Does does a candle inspire you? You know when you look at the candlelight, do you get inspired by that? Yeah? Yeah? Some of you do. I, I think that there is something inspiring about candles. Lots of people love candles. They, they love the, the simplicity of the light. You know, it's not a massive moment. There's, there's, a, there's a contrast. But it's a steady, constant, warm glow. Now, which is best? Which is best? A steady, warm glow that's always there, that's consistent, that's reliable, 
that is just burning day after day, always doing good. I don't think it is a case of best, is it? I think fireworks are awesome. I think candles are awesome. Let's move on to the next one. The midday sun. Do you find the midday sun awesome? Inspiring? Yeah? There's a lot of nods about that one. (laughs) I think that's the most popular one. Well, the sun is absolutely awesome. Uh, Looking at Google, which is always a good thing to do to find things out, isn't it? This chap here, the candle, is giving out 12.5 lumens. And the sun is giving out 98,000 lumens. Talking about in a square meter. So that is 8,000 times brighter than the candle. Now Jesus is the sun. He is the light of the entire universe. The galaxies. The world. See, it's not a matter of that he has a light and we don't have a light. Because you look at that and you think, oh, that's nothing. We're nothing compared to that. No, that isn't the question. The question is, in your sphere, your circle of influence. You see, Jesus' circle of influence is the entire world. He touches every part of this planet. So he shines his light everywhere. I don't, and you don't. It's what do we shine in our little bit? The circle of influence that we have, we can shine with the light of God in that circle. People walk into that circle. People live in that circle. We can be an inspiring influencer because we are filled with the Spirit because we're on fire for God. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are...